<laughs> Great, it's lovely to be with you and um, seeing what God is, has done and is doing amongst you. Amen. And I know that the Holy Spirit is here in this service here this morning with us. And, and uh, as we open up the word of God, that the Holy Spirit uses that to speak in ways that no other can speak to you, but only God can speak to you. He knows how to speak to you. He, he's got this relationship with you. He, he can break through barriers and you can leave this place knowing that you've met with him again around his word into your life. I want to speak to you this morning about hope. If I, um, as I say the word hope to you, I wonder what springs into your mind. Lots of thoughts, perhaps. Hope we get a pastor. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> They're coming. Um, every day the world wakes, wakes up to hope. Hoping for a better day. But the hope I want to talk to you about is the hope that, that is found in God. It's not, a, uh, it's not wishing. It's, it's, it's not that. It's not sitting back and doing nothing either. Neither is it dreaming, imagining that tomorrow is going to be great for you. In that kind of way. That's, that's not the hope. It's, it's not based around anxiety. Just wanting a different set of circumstance. It's, it is this. It is being confident that God will do in your life what he said he would do. It is being confident that what God has said he'll do for you, he will do for you. No, you haven't got it. <laughs> Hope is in the confidence that God can do it. What he said he will do for you for your family, for your church, for your town, that God will do it because he said he would do it. That's the hope. And it's not in my time. It's like I live impatient, but it's in your time, God. So if you've got your Bibles or you, on your iPhone or you just know the word. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Romans 15, verse 13. Comes the end, towards the end of this letter. 
that Paul wrote to the church in Rome. Romans 15 and verse 13. Oh, there's the clock. That's good. Always make sure that the clock faces the preacher. Amen? I've already been told we finish at one, so we're good. That came, I don't know where that came from, but it came from somebody who's got nothing to do this afternoon. <laughs> May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh my days, is that a good verse? I'm going to read it again. May the God of hope, the God of hope, I'm going to give you five principles of this hope. Each principle has got 25 points. Sorry, just trying to keep you with me. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> this guy's crazy. Five things. He's the God of hope. Hope. This hope comes from God. If you've come to church this morning and you are despairing of tomorrow... Let's not talk about the circumstance and things and what might and what may not happen, some of your ideas and, and some of your, your worries about what may take place. Let's talk about God. Because the answer to a lack of hope is God. An answer to every situation that you are facing is God. The answer is always found in your relationship with him. If your relationship with God is rock solid, you're okay. Because he's a God of hope. God is not miserable. God is not in a crisis. God is not thinking, oh, is there a God somewhere that I can go to another God because I'm worried about what might happen. He's the God of all hope. Amen. He doesn't have to turn around. He doesn't have to get on his knees. He doesn't have to chew his fingernails. He's not worried at any point of your life is he in a crisis about it he knows everything that you've been through he knows what you're going through he knows what tomorrow holds he is not panicking he's a god of hope amen so all you and i have to do is to be with him I don't know how the world manages when God is not in their life. I don't know how a man or woman manages when he that is in them is greater than he that is in the world does not apply to their life. I don't know how they cope when the circumstance is greater than what's in their life. Often I think, I, I don't know, I probably would have buckled. And if you don't know Jesus today, that's what he brings to you. What is a Christian? It's not about a set of beliefs. It's not about someone who's read the whole of the Bible. It's not someone who talks to God. It's about a man and a woman. All those things are important. But a man and a woman 
who has a relationship with a God of hope based upon the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the outpouring of the subsequent Holy Spirit into that life of that believer. That's it. Without God, there's no hope. Number two. See, the points are small. Short. But that was the shortest one. Can you see that this verse, Paul starts with hope and he ends with hope. Twice, it's mentioned about hope. God of hope, fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope flows from joy and peace that flows in. So what God does is that he doesn't just give you hope. He fills you. This is the prayer of Paul. He prays that you will be filled with joy and peace. There's no hope without joy and peace. Is this being recorded? Oh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> this is fine. Yeah, I'll change it. A man called me this morning. No, I can tell you. It's a pastor. A pastor calls me because everybody, I only deal with pastors. So, you know, every, well, he's got to be a pastor. He doesn't meet anybody else. Um, a pastor called me this morning. He said, Paul, I'm in a right mess. Um, they'd, um, uh, 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 a leader in the church who was leading a, um, a senior citizens group had um, created a newsletter and used an image uh, of uh, just an innocent image on, from, from, the on, from online, from somewhere on the web, of someone pointing. That's all it was. And he used it, put it in the newsletter, and uh, fine. It's only for the local congregation. But then someone had taken that newsletter and put it onto the website and that local image um, uh, meant that this, um, this company uh, contacted the church and said, uh, you've breached copyright uh, laws on that image. And um, so you've got 14 days. There will be a fine uh, to pay. So this pastor is <laughs> throwing in the towel this morning. This pastor was just beyond himself because he was already feeling... Uh, uh, discouraged. He was all, uh, somebody had left his church to go to another church, and on the way out, told him he was rubbish, and uh, <laughs> it happens. And uh, and um, he was just feeling really, 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 really bad, and already. And he said, "That's just another confirmation that I'm just the worst pastor." Blah blah blah. And before long, his conversation was like, "Whoa!" I said, "Who's preaching this morning?" He says, "Me." Said, oh my words! <laughs> God help him. Um, I spent about 30 minutes, and my whole conversation with him was to, for the infilling of joy and peace in his life. Because right now, right at that moment, there was no joy. <laughs> you, know, you know when people say, yeah, I've got, I've got the joy of the Lord. It's really deep in my soul. You know? It's that deep. We can't see it, you know? It's really deep. I've got deep joy. 
And then some people say, oh, you know, I've got joy. It's not happiness, it's joy. Happiness is of the world, mine's joy. <laughs> I'd rather go to the world, my friend. Um, but, uh, you know, when you go and have a coffee with somebody and you wish you hadn't, yeah? Christians should be the most joyful people on planet Earth, yeah? We, we, we should be happy, yeah? You know, there's something wrong if a Bible-believing Christian empowered by the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues on a Sunday is not smiling at some point during the week, yeah? We need to have deacons in the church that are just... Their role is just to tickle people because actually, you know, you... I preach in a, in a, I preach in a church every Sunday, and they're not all like you. You know, I mean, barring about four of you, you're all smiling. <laughs> I got two people asleep and four who are looking at me like. There's always usually two asleep, and that's all right. That's okay, but f- usually there's less than four that are really. Oh, what is he doing anyway? Um, so I, 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 we, I prayed with him and we, we focused on joy. We focused on the joy, the joy of Jesus that for the joy set before him, he endured this. Uh, he, he lifted his eyes to the hills. Where does my help comes from? Just this conversation of going, you know, let's talk about eternity because, you know, this is not a really good day. But tomorrow, God is with you. The, getting the joy back into his life, releasing the anxiety. You know, there's no hope without when there's anxiety in your life. When you're panicking, you're not going to be hoping. So through prayer and just spending about half an hour with him on the phone, just then hearing his vocabulary change. And he started to say, hey, there's hope, isn't there? Of course there's hope. That's just a live situation you will have perhaps less or worse circumstances than that, but the principle is the same. Joy, peace. When the God of hope encounters your life, you never walk away from him miserable because he's with you. When the Holy Spirit is empowering and filling you daily, Go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we need to go on being filled and filled and filled with the Holy You may have been baptized in the Holy Spirit 50 years ago and have not done anything with you and the Holy Spirit since then. That's rubbish. Every single day, you need to wake up and say, Jesus, will you fill me again with the power of your Holy Spirit? Why? Because he brings joy and he brings peace into your life. Then you walk out into your world and suddenly your vocabulary is different than the world's vocabulary because you end up sounding like you're optimistic. Why are you so positive? Well, I don't know really, but it's just coming out of my life. I feel quite happy. I'm not worried. Why are you not worried? You should be worried. I'm not not worried at all. Why? Because God is in my life. The most optimistic, positive people is you. Thank you, sister. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Why do people say, I want to be like you? (laughs) 
Sorry, I couldn't resist. Um, why do people say, I want to be like you? Why? It's not for any other reason but what's in you. They see something in you. They see something in the way you smile, something in the way that you speak, just your outlook on life. They're saying, I want your attitude. I want how you do life. How do you do that? Where do you get that positivity from? The God of hope. Fill you with all joy and peace as you trust. As you trust. Is there anyone this morning who needs, just need to say, God, I, I just need to come back and say, I trust you. Paul, Paul tells a story, you know it very well. Even if I say the, the words, you'll, you'll get the story. Against all hope. Who is he? A man called Abraham. Paul tells a story. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. Against all hope, <laughs> when this is an old man, shouldn't even be thinking. He's got a stair lift. To get to the bedroom. Shouldn't even be thinking. Against all hope. It's not going to happen. He goes home. And she's not 30. <laughs> and he looks at her. Well darling. We've got a miracle coming. I'll spare you the details. But it's an amazing story if you've not read it. People say the Bible's boring. My goodness they've not read the Bible eh. At times it's like, well, this is, this is 18 certificate. This is <laughs> against all hope. Abraham believed, trusted that what God said, what God said to him was going to happen. Let me give you a few things about this. How to live with hope that God will do with your life, what he said he was going to do. Firstly, you need to hold on to the promise that God has given you. It's what Abraham did. There are, and you say, well, I don't, I don't have a promise. Have you got a Bible? Start there. There's like, yeah. Loads. Get them on your fridge. Get them around your house. Find some plaques. Stick them on your wall. Get the whole Bible promising book of books all over your life. You say you haven't got a promise from God. It's a lie from the devil. You've got a whole book full. Start there. Yeah, I do believe in prophetic rhema words that come into your life from time to time. I believe in that. But let's start with the Bible. Hold on to the promise God has given you. Secondly about this is that as you learn to trust and you believe in God's promise that you will begin to create a legacy that will outlive you when you've gone to heaven. It's what Abraham did. The countless followers of Christ today are Abraham's sand on the seashore family. There are things that people will talk about you. You need to go to the grave knowing that people are going to be talking about the promises that you've carried in your life. 
that will go beyond your life. It's a legacy that we leave that outlives us. Thirdly, do not Ishmael your promise. For it will lead you to be hurt and it will lead other people to be hurt. What do I mean? You know the story. Abraham, well, it was Sarah's idea. Sarah said to, his, to her husband, Sarah, Sarah says to her husband, I want you to go meet another woman. I've not heard that before. And Hagar came along and you know the pain and the hurtful story. He Ishmaeled that promise. It looked like it. It looked like God had provided. It looked like the answer. It was similar to the answer, but it wasn't what God gave him. And you can create your answer. You can make it look like it. You can man-make your fire. You, you can manipulate it. You can even put God at the front and the, and the back end of it and say, this is of God. Or, or you can say, oh, you know, thus says the Lord. You can, you can put every kind of religious thing around it. And not be God. Do not Ishmael it. Wait, wait, wait. Fourthly, recover your ground of faith because when you're trusting God, you will fail. Abraham failed. But you need to reclaim your ground, get back up, dust yourself off. Don't bury yourself in a corner. That's it. I'm over. I'm done for. I've lost my faith in God. And he's, he's... he looks at me like, I'm, like I've, I've, I've so let him down. Get up. Keep going. Because you and I in this life will continually let God down. But the difference between a failure and someone who's failed is the one who's failed is the one who failed to get back up and say, I'm under the blood of Jesus. He's cleansed me. I, I, I claim that grace and that mercy of my life. I may have let God down on the promises of God, but right now today, I start again. I'm committing myself to you, O oh God. It's your promises for my life and not for what I can do for myself. Are you with me? Yes. Finally, on the third point, not in the message. Got a long way to go. We need to be willing to lay down and sacrifice what God gives you. Because what, gives, what God gives you is not for you anyway, it's for his glory. And when God is writing the story of your life, he's the author, you are not. And so we have that story of Abraham having to come and think that I, I, I just believe in the resurrection of God, that he wants me to sacrifice my son. I don't understand it at all. In this culture of child sacrifice, you will think that God would be against this kind of thing. I, I, I really believe he is against this kind of thing, but that he's asking me to do it. I'm going to do it, but I believe that he's going to resurrect my son at the end. That's, I believe, the, the whole of that story. Listen, whatever, whenever God gives you an answer and God fulfills the promise over your life, he will want it back. Because he wants every part of your life and my life. Because he's the God of our life. When Paul wrote this letter to, of Romans in the first chapter, he says, I long to be with you. In fact, Paul says, I've tried many times to get to you. Do you think Paul was praying, God, let me get to Rome. Of course he was. He desperately wanted to be in Rome. God answered him. And God got him to Rome. 
But when he got to Rome, he was under house arrest. He wasn't free to visit all the churches like he thought he was going to be free. So he got the answer. He got what he believed that God wanted was to get Paul into Rome. But he had to be willing to realize, okay, well, this is your story, God, not mine. It's not exactly how I wanted it. It's not what I was anticipating. But I am in Rome. Do you see? Do you see? God may do things in your life that may be different to how you thought he was going to do it. Because we, we can interpret the conclusion before we've had day one. We've packaged the present, the gift that's coming to us. And we know when we open it up, it's going to look like this. Because God's told us it's going to be. But actually, there may be something that he does that changes the way you anticipated it. Can I just tell you a personal story? Um, 33 years ago, I was a Bible student. And um, I was in a pastor's house doing a placement for three weeks. I woke up in the pastor's house one Sunday morning. And I can only tell you, this hasn't happened to me many times in my life. And certainly back then, 33 years ago, it was like a a real epiphany. Because um, very, very, very few times that I'd had this seem to be... um, one of those, I just know, I just know, I just know. I, I just know that God's just spoken to me. I, I can't get away from it, but I just know, I know. I know that uh, there's no twins in my family. And um, I know there's no twins in my wife's family. I, I, it, generationally, <clears throat> there's, no, there's no twins in our family. But <clears throat> uh, when we start a family, um, God's going to give us twins. So um, I uh, just—I was just like on cloud nine, and I, when I went home, and I gave my wife the news. You know, get ready. Um, let's get a stair lift. Um, <laughs> get ready, and um, we're having twins. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Um, you know, and so we had our. Um, she, um, I think our, yeah, our first. Child was a miscarriage, the first child, um, but our first ch- uh, ch- child born was Daniel. Thank God for him. He's uh, a pastor in, uh, associate pastor in Derby right now. And um, uh, great, wonderful. Um, and then our, th- our third pregnancy, um, my wife started to lose and was rushed to hospital uh, on, on the th- on this third pregnancy. And we had good news and bad news. The good news is that we, we saved one of the babies. The bad news is that, yeah, you were having twins and we lost the other. And we didn't know. And so the promise that God gave me that it, I was going to have twins... had a different ending. Do you see what I'm saying? You have no right to claim the ending of the promises of God for your life because it's not about you. Um, So that was uh, something for us to walk through, pain, hurt, 
confusion. I didn't talk about it. Um, I didn't talk about it. You're, you're, you're the first Elam church that I've to told. Um, I was in Barcelona on Friday. I was uh, preaching in a Chinese church. I told this group of university students. And I got a release. So I thought I'd tell you. Because it fits. And I remember uh, telling Re uh, Rebecca. She, Rebecca is uh, 27 now. Um, she's an associate pastor at Christian Life Church in Birmingham. She's single. We're looking for a man. Is there any single men at all? <laughs> uh, if you've got your bank account with you. <laughs> we'll have a see after anyway. Um, <laughs> Remember telling her when she was 16 and said to her, you know, you know the reason why, you know your brother is really quite quiet, you know, chilled, relaxed. You know why you're also like just so full of like, like, like it's almost like you've got two personalities <laughs> all in one. Like you never stop talking. Why you're so energetic and you don't sit still. Do you ever wonder why that might be other than actually... You're the milkman's. Do you ever think of <laughs> why that's possible, why that is the case? She says, no, no, I don't know, Dad. Why, why, why? I says, so because you've got a twin in heaven. And I think maybe some of her personality has been left here. And it's in you, I don't know. But you just, you know, and just the dawning of all of that. You see, what I'm trying to say to you is this, is that we have to be willing in our trust of God. Not to have it your own way. And, and, and you, you, it, the conclusion of some of the promises that you've had may be questionable. You'll sort it when you get to heaven. Because you'll understand. Hope is dependent on your trust. And Paul moves into hope. He says, as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope. You may overflow with hope. I'm going to finish at 12, all right? Is that okay? I'm not coming here again for a while. If you speak to the leadership team, they can knock off five minutes next Sunday morning. I'll claim that, yeah? Have we had the offering? You, you're not taking an offering in four years. Thank God. Amazing. Wow. So that joke goes wrong then, doesn't it? Just give me eight minutes. Promise you, all right? Hope feeds off itself and brings more hope. Even if you just have a little smidgen, just a little something, that's what I want to say. Two centuries 
after the flood of, of Noah and the people of God are not the people of God and everybody's doing their own thing. They've just had the Tower of Babel and they're walking away from God. There's a man, his name means shepherd, Ru, R-E-U, in Genesis 11:20, He's 32 years of age and um, he looks around this wicked, corrupt world that he's living in and he has a son and um, the living in days and still the cultures of the world today, names mean a thing. What you, what you name your child, it's important. Not necessarily in the British culture we have this like, oh, what can we show, what should we call them? Oh, we've not got this in the family before. Oh, that's a nice name, isn't it? Um, but it means so much more in other cultures and, and, and certainly in the Bible times. And my, my name is Andrew Paul Hudson. It's my, I'm, called, I'm called by my middle name. Andrew means macho, strong, big man. Paul means insignificant, small, pathetic. <laughs> Parents call me Paul. <laughs> we don't talk much. Um, Rue, this 32-year-old man, has a son in this corrupt world. And he calls his son Serug. It means shoot, branch. Any gardeners? Get excited when you see a little shoot. There's life. This man says, I believe in the next generation. I believe there's hope. Shoot. Isaiah prophesies about Jesus Christ. The shoot will rise from the stump of Jesse. Small. And interestingly enough, there, Genesis 11, you go right through to the family line of Christ. You go all the way back and you realize that this young son, Serug, is actually in that genealogy, that family line of Jesus Christ. What I'm saying to you is this. Hope expects, it springs from the God of hope through joy and peace as you trust in God. But the hope is the expectation that God can and will do something new. It looks towards what is not yet. It reaches beyond ourselves to a power that's beyond us that can do things that we cannot do. Let me finish with this. I finish promise with this. Hope let me round it up. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope comes from God. It flows from joy and peace that comes into your life. It's dependent upon trust. It is feeding off hope. Releasing more hope for you. Expectation. And it is in partnership with the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Where is the Holy Spirit? You know, when you go to bed at night time and go, that's it, I'm not going to church ever again. I'm going to pack in Christianity. Oh, okay, so that's just me then. Um, <laughs> you may have heard of it. I knew you were more holy than most. Um, 
But then in the morning, you get up in the morning and go, wow, it's a new day. I'm ready. Where do you think that came from? It wasn't from you. You know, when, you, when you're just thinking of just giving up, do you think that you, in your own strength, after all this time, Rachel's been here for 50 years, you sat in that chair for 50 years. Wow, an incredible act of faithfulness. And if you think that you, in your own strength, can do it, you're wrong. But the one who hovered over nothing, when there was nothing, and God brought about everything, when the Spirit of God was hovering, don't you tell me there's nothing. The Holy Spirit will say to you is this, do not give up, do not despair. Do you not realize I hovered over nothing and I brought everything into place? Don't you dare say it's dead, buried, it's, not, it's just impossible now. Who do you think got Jesus out of the grave? The power in your life. When Peter said, when Peter, see I've closed that, that's a good sign. When Peter said, when Peter said to, to, to the Pharisees, you know, I'm defending, I'm defending the church, I'm defending the apostleship. We were there, we saw the death, we saw the resurrection, we saw the ascension. We are witnesses of these things, Acts 5. We are witnesses of these things. Wonderful. But it, there was no full stop there. If there was a full stop there, we would have been worshipping a Christian religion that's based around the evidence of some people 2,000 years ago. That's what we'd have been struggling with. But he didn't do that. He said, we are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit. He, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God has seen everything from before creation, creation, all the way through. How is this going to be? I'm a virgin. How is going to this take place? The, the power of the Holy Spirit, the shadow of the Almighty will come upon you. And God will do what you think he cannot do. He will do it. The power of the Spirit. So who do you think is reminding you, speaking to you, constantly giving you scripture? about the Bible, bringing people along your way to encourage you, get you into places that you don't particularly want to be, allow you to, to, to listen to things that perhaps you, you didn't want to listen to, but he gets you there because he's got a word to encourage you, a word to strengthen you. Who do you think he is? It is the Holy Spirit. And as you and I partner with the Holy Spirit, the God of hope will fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him and and the overflow of the hope will come into your life with the partner, partnership of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen? Let's stand to our feet. I'm going to pray for you all. Thank you, Jesus. You know every man and woman in this place. This is not just only about a building and a group of people who come into Acorn Community Church. This is not about an Elam denomination. This is about men and women this morning in this place that you know by their name.
You know their, everything about their life. You, you know their family, their friends. You know their work situations. You know what's in their bank account. You know what their plans are. You know what happened yesterday. You know what's happening today. And you know what's happening tomorrow. There's, there's nothing about that individual, that man and that woman, that you do not know about them. And God, you know today if there are people who have come into church anxious about something. Wondering if they can face tomorrow. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because you are in our life. And I pray this verse over their life. And maybe, Acorn Community Church, maybe just lift up your hands while I just... Pray this over your life. Let the words sink into your heart. As you lift your hands in surrender to Jesus, to the one who lifted his hands for you on the cross where he gave his life for you. May the God of hope fill you. Fill you with all joy and peace. As you trust in him. So that you may overflow. Overflow. Out of the mouth. Your, the words within you will flow. With hope. By the power. Of the Holy Spirit. That lives. In you. Amen. God bless you.